0: This is It Just Takes One, one person, one experience, one idea, one moment to change your life.
1: Here's what's coming up on today's show. I think we still reach for that ultimate goal that he will get out of that chair and walk again. And we just don't know when. It's just a matter of time. Every once in a while, you come across a story
0: that is so powerful that you cannot help but be moved by it. In my interview today, you are going to hear about just such a story. Today, I talk with Victoria Knight. She and her son, John Michael, are recent Amazon bestselling authors for their book, My John 316. The story of how my 17-year-old son's stroke changed our lives forever. In this interview, you're going to hear Vicki share a little bit more about the story and about how their lives are changed, and I guarantee that you will be moved by it. So I invite you to sit back and listen in as Vicki Knight shares her story.
1: Vicki, welcome to It Just Takes One. Thank you, glad to be here. So glad to
0: have you here. We've been working on this book for a while now and it's nice to
1: finally be at the point where it's launching this week. How did that feel for you? So exciting. I think getting the book in my hand was surreal. It just, um, it felt really good, a big accomplishment. And as well to John Michael, um, just to see our work come to fruition was just amazing. You know,
0: I actually posted a picture on my Instagram of you that you had sent me, the book in your hand, and I had said that exact thing. You know, there is all this work that goes into it and all this time that we spend putting it together, but the moment that you actually get to hold it in your hand and realize you've accomplished it is pretty special. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad John Michael is excited about it, too. I am also really looking forward to spending a few minutes here just talking about your story and sharing that with the listeners, but also talking about the book writing process. And uh, a lot of our listeners are people who are aspiring authors and would like to have that moment of holding this in their hand. So I'd like to let you share a little bit of that process as we talk as well. Uh, But I thought we would just get started with something simple um, and just introduce you to the audience and and, an introduction of how you and I actually met. You wanna share a little bit about how we connected?
1: Sure. Um, I uh, live in Winter Park, Florida. Very small, small little community of people. Um, We have some very good friends, the Evans. Their son actually is one of John Michael's best friends. Mm. And um, John Evans wrote a book with you and he just felt, as a lot of people did, the story should be told, so he kept encouraging me, and finally he said, I I need to put you in touch with Kelly, she's wonderful, she'll help you, she'll guide you through the whole process, and um, that's how I connected with you, and it's just been pretty seamless, actually. It's been, uh, I've been pleasantly surprised on how easy it was, the whole process. Well, I, I am glad to hear that because I always
0: think writing a book is not without effort. It certainly does take some, some time and some effort. But once you have somebody to guide you through it, it is not an impossible task.
1: Right. No, not at all. Not at all. And especially when you're telling your own story, I think it's a little, maybe a little easier because you know the story. You know what's coming It's just putting it down and getting it into words and shaping it into a story.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I'm glad that you mentioned John Evans. Um, he actually first told me about you well before we met because the book that he published with us, The Takeaway, he actually donates some of the proceeds to John Michaels Foundation.
1: Yes, he does. And it's, it's awesome. And I think he even dedicated the book to him. Um, very yeah. sweet. Yes. Very good friend. Yeah, that, um
0: that was very special. So I actually knew of your story before I met you, but I, I do remember the first time that we spoke. And I remember you telling me that you had spent so much time sharing your story on Facebook, that you were writing a lot of these because your friends wanted to hear what happened and that the process of writing on Facebook was one thing, but then the daunting task of taking that
1: and actually making it into the book was another. Uh, Do you remember that conversation when we were talking? I do. I I do. It was through those posts that I make the updates for John Michael that people kept saying, you should write a book. You're a great writer. And I've never considered myself to be any type of writer. I struggled with writing in school because I think they'd give you a topic and then you'd have to write about it. (laughs) But again, when you're sharing your story and it's near and dear to your heart, it's a little bit easier for me anyhow to um to share that but then on the flip side of that it's very scary putting yourself out there like that because you don't know how people are going to respond are they going to care what happened in your life are they just going to be like oh it's another sad story you know tragedy that happened to someone because sadly there's a lot of tragedy out there but um but I did it and I'm glad that I did. It's something we, we actually talked about when we were at Shepherd. We joked about it. We even joked about a movie. You know, we went around, who's going to play who, <laughs> the movie. Um, but I didn't know that it would ever come to fruition. We just, it was something we just kind of flippantly talked about. Um, so yeah, and I think for John Michael, he wasn't sure if he was going to write. I started writing well before he did. Mm-hmm. And I always thought the idea of kind of the back and forth would be interesting to people, especially again, I've been out there on Facebook posting the updates, people really want to hear from him as well, probably mostly from him. So I think it I'm so glad he chose to write.
0: Yes, I'm I, I had actually forgotten when we first started, it was just you and I. And then somewhere in the process it became apparent that having his voice in there was going to be a really significant addition for so many reasons. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but I am also so glad that that he wanted to do that because to hear the story from both of your points of view is
1: just gives a much deeper understanding of the experiences you guys have had. Absolutely, yeah. And it's funny sometimes they parallel, sometimes they're a little bit different. Um, I tried not to share mine with him so he wouldn't, you know, because some things he he remembers everything really, but you know, especially the ICU was a little foggy to him those first you know few weeks especially. He was you know pretty sedated so. They said he'd have a little hospital amnesia but um and i was surprised
0: and i'm gonna tease the audience a little bit because okay. i want them to buy the book to, to know more we'll talk about the story but um i was actually surprised how much he did remember um yes. he mentions that he was a little foggy in in that um initial hospital time which would make sense but
1: um, how much he remembers down to the detail is amazing. Oh, absolutely. Yes. He, and that's uh, the blessing. And what happened to him is that he is hundred percent cognitive. He did not lose any cognitive ability, probably smarter than most of us out there. <laughs> oh, no doubt about that. Yes. yes. He's got um, a good head on his shoulder. So
0: um, let's, let's just introduce the book. So I'm holding it in my hand. I get okay. to hold it in my hand too. Uh, the book is called My John 316. Tell us
1: about the title, why that became the title of the book. Interestingly enough, his name is John Michael Knight. Um, he does go by John Michael. John is the first name and his birthday is March 16th, 316. And I kind of picked up on that early on. I didn't do that on purpose. He's named after his father, but at the, you know, going to the doctor, what's his name? What's his birthday? I would say John 316. And then all of a sudden it clicked with me. like, Oh wow. (laughs) And you know, I didn't think anything special of it. I thought how ironic. And then, um, Mick, his father didn't pick up on it till you know we were in the hospital, and every time they came in to do something, what's his name? What's his birthday? Just to verify the patient, and it clicked with him. And for some reason, when we were at Shepherd and we started joking about the book, that title just had just came to mind, and I did just stuck with me because the meaning of that scripture verse has become so much um, has such a deeper meaning to me now than it ever did. So I just felt it was appropriate to name the book that.
0: The Bible verse, for those who don't know what it is, is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's right. Yes. And uh, when we first spoke about that being the title, it brought up a a great memory for me because my mother used to teach Sunday school. And she had several verses in the bible that she thought were really important for all of us to learn in our young ages yeah yes. and so that somewhere around third grade you know eight years old my john three sixteen was embedded in my head and i can and still say it today and since i've lost my mom it kind of brought up a nice memory for me so oh. uh, i i love the title for that reason as well so John Michael, born March 16th, tell us a little bit about him as a person
1: and and who he was growing up. So John Michael was just one of those bigger than life personalities. He was my kid that just the smile on his face was just contagious. You know, there's certain people when they smile, you just can't help but smile back and you know, very easygoing, never a complainer, just a um, little peacemaker and a little troublemaker. He was a, you know, a little feisty toddler that, you know, um, kept me on my toes all the time and, you know, went through that phase in the teenage years, you know, pushing the envelope. But, you know, always, always good at heart and very kind, very compassionate. One of the best comments I would always get from other adults would say, oh, I ran into John Michael and I just have to tell you, he's just so pleasant. He can carry on a conversation with an adult and he looks you in the eye and he shakes your hand first. So he's just, he's just a, a good kid. <laughs> and, and he's a, I'm a little child, biased. But now, a I am personally
0: a middle child. So I always think that's the best um, yes. <laughs> birth order to be in, but, uh, you know, kind of describes some of that ability to get along with everybody and, um pretty easygoing, and you know able to to just kind of handle things that that come to him but he was also a go-getter um you talk in the book a lot about his sort of this determination that that you saw even as a as a young child but then kind of grew as,
1: as he became an athlete absolutely he's uh very passionate if he finds an interest in something he locks into it and he's very passionate about it if he sets a goal for himself he he will he will fulfill that goal he's not a quitter and he doesn't like to leave things unfinished but he uh, worked very hard at his sport he's a big lacrosse player and just loved the sport loved everything about it and worked very hard to get his d1 scholarship that nobody gave him any chance of, of attaining people thought he was crazy but he did it and you know we couldn't be more proud of him and it was because of his hard work he just worked relentlessly in our backyard practicing every day so he was at
0: trinity trinity prep right that was his high school and uh was taught himself quite a bit of lacrosse as you're talking about and obviously excelled at it um was accepted at mercer university
1: yes mercer university in macon georgia he um he did a lot of club play that's where he got a good amount of playtime and um, meeting coaches and being seen by coaches. So probably I would say 10th grade year, he started getting contacted by some schools. And 11th grade year, he kind of made his list. Um, He's a Florida boy, boy, so he knew he wasn't going to want to go play in the snow, targeting mostly (laughs) in the Southeastern schools. Um, And Mercer was really only our second stop. And he just immediately Came home and said, This is where I want to go. And when they made him the offer, he accepted, even though you know he had a bunch of schools left to go see. Um, but they've been amazing through all of this. The coach that he's never played for has just um wow, I can't say enough about him and what he does for for my son. And Jermichael actually dedicated the book to him because he's just become so special to us. That is
0: um, one of the many gifts that have come out of out of mm. this story, for sure. Uh, and, and certainly he he is pretty special in the fact that he met John Michael as he brought him into the team, but he actually never got to have him on the team. Yeah. And yet it remained such a, a tie and such a close connection for him.
1: Absolutely, yes. And their whole family. We're very close with his whole family, his lovely wife and his children. Yeah, so we appreciate them. Yeah, that's amazing. So, all things
0: were going well.
1: All the doors were open and he was sort of
0: following the path of a of a talented athlete and an intelligent kid going off to college with all the world in front of him, and then what happened?
1: And then he woke up uh, one morning, December 14th, and uh, normal morning, came downstairs, made him breakfast, said goodbye. And within the hour, I got the text that he didn't feel right. Um, something was off. And that's how it all started. We ended up picking him up from school, taking him to the emergency room, and it just uh, became the nightmare of our life. <laughs> His whole life changed in the blink of an eye. Literally in the blink of an eye. The book actually starts
0: off with those texts. Yes. And I just want to read a couple of those yes. just to kind of give the audience an idea of of what was happening in that moment. Um, The text starts with John Michael texting you saying, I don't feel good, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sitting in psych class, and I feel like I was going to pass out, and my balance is off. I was barely able to walk to second period, and my hearing isn't 100%, like everything sounds distant. I feel like I'm having an anxiety attack. My head is like spinning. So you respond, and
1: Where were you at the moment? I was in the car wash. My car had literally just went into the car wash. So I was stuck. I could not leave.
0: (laughs) Of all the moments, right? And you you respond, okay, calm down. I'll come and get you. I'm at the car wash and you know, you need to tell the teacher, is there anywhere you can lay down? And he says, "Uh, my teacher's not in the room. Um, and I don't think I can get up. My head really, really hurts you go back and forth telling him to calm down. You called and had gotten in touch with his father, so his father was on the way. And he says, I feel really lightheaded. You said, just stay there. Text him to know what time he's coming. Uh, My head is still pounding. I haven't gotten up from my seat. And then dad is there. Yeah. And from that moment, life changes. Mm -hmm. So what actually happened? What was the result of that moment where he knew something was wrong
1: so we took him to the er and went through this whole gamut of of you know they they diagnosed him with vertigo um which if you google brainstem strokes it is a symptom um i asked for a ct scan because i was i just felt like something more serious was happening We ended up having to be transferred to the main hospital because they didn't have a pediatric unit there. And uh, three days later, they realized he had had a brainstem stroke, a massive brainstem stroke. Um, The way they equated it to me is, you know, you have your big breaker box for your house, the circuit box, and it blows. You still have your house, but you have no power to anything. And that's kind of what happened to him is the circuit breaker to his brain blew. So his brain was still there but he had no connections from his brain to his body. The only thing he could do was move his eyes up and down. And that's called locked in syndrome. Yes, it's locked in syndrome. Um, it, it, it's type of paralysis. He's not paralyzed and like the people who have a spinal cord injury where you have severed your spine and there's never any way for a connection to, to get through. Um, there is possibility for connections and there are connections because he can move. If you ask him to move his arm, he can move his arm, but he has to really think about it and make it happen because the connection isn't complete yet. But signals are getting through because he can do things.
0: Um,
1: but, yeah. but at that moment, oh, yeah.
0: none of that, right? And then none he had the when it was happening uh, and he was, you know, I, I, I I've obviously I've been working with you on this for a year and yeah. I'm sure everybody that is connected to you in some way has spent some time just as I have kind of thinking about, what that moment must be like for him for you um for everyone who cares about him right. uh, realize that that this is so serious and so severe from everything going in in the direction that you expect life to go to
1: to going completely the other direction Yes. It devastation, complete devastation. And it's it's like the doctor said, This is the worst news you could possibly get short of death. Um, you know, and there was they were sorry, there was nothing they could do. I mean, it just um was very fearful. The the amazing thing though is I don't I never sensed fear from John Michael, like once he found out what had happened. There wasn't this sense of panic or I'm so claustrophobic. If I was trapped in my body and could not move, I think I would just die of a panic attack. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like He just never had that moment of, oh my God, I can't move. I mean, if he did, he never showed it. Um, Just crazy. I think God just equipped him with such a capability to handle this with such grace and patience. It's just been amazing. Even on my worst days when I just just want to throw the towel in and say, quit, I can't do this anymore. I just think how selfish of me, you know, I can get a break. He never gets a break from it. This is, he has to deal with it 24 seven.
0: He, even in his writing in the book, um, you never sense, you, you, you sense frustration at times, which yes. would uh, be uh, expected, but you don't ever sense a feeling of giving up.
1: Or, or self pity.
0: Any kind of self pity. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you attribute that to? I mean, it would just be so normal to, to get down, to be down,
1: to, to give up. I think again, it's what God has equipped him with, but we, we, we always said, or I kept saying, and maybe I don't always naive to, to say it, or maybe I'm not, uh, we still have a long way to go, but I just always said to him, this is not forever. This is not forever. And maybe that. Stuck with him that this is not forever; it's temporary, and I just have to do the work. And I'll just like lacrosse. I wasn't good at first, but I worked really hard, and I got to where I wanted to be. And I think that's his athlete mentality that just keeps him going and and says this is not the end. Um, and he's always had the attitude of it's not a matter of if, but when. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the things that he tells himself that keeps him you know, and again, he does have that frustration every now and again, and who wouldn't? And a lot of times it's mostly just the speech that people can't understand what he's saying. So I can only imagine how hard that would be.
0: (laughs) And he describes so many times um, in different ways throughout the book, how frustrating it is to not be able to communicate. And again, I think anybody listening or um, hearing or reading this story will try and put themselves into that position and think about when you are completely incapable of communicating I mean, Mm -hmm. all you can move are your eyes Uh what is that like Mm -hmm. so you actually
1: came up with a
0: a a way for him to begin communicating
1: yes we had a crazy spelling system it was a letter board and we would go through the rows and he would spell out words with his eyes big opened eyes was yes closed eyes was no and um that's how we got real fast (laughs) (laughs) it people would look at us like what are y'all doing (laughs) but you know we we did we had it down and he was able to you know at least get words out to say you know help or fix this or do that or you know ask questions I again it was a crazy system but it, it did work yes
0: the resilience how quickly you can learn something new when Absolutely. you're working at it and having to use it so often, but I remember you talking in the book as well, you know, where, where now we text and everybody shortens everything. He was shortening nothing and he was spelling out
1: every word. <laughs> it was so articulate, I'm mean, i was like, I'm so glad I paid for you to have such a great education, but you don't have to say these fancy words. like his friends will even say, he'll say, nevertheless, I'm like, what? You know, or actually. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we just crack up. And I think the first time he tried to spell, like when we came home and his new speech therapist, and she was learning the system and, and she was like, Well, let's spell something. He spelled out onomatopoeia. Oh. <laughs> She's just cracking up. <laughs> but he also describes it from his viewpoint where
0: the frustration comes in oh. because he knows what he's trying to get out. He can't get it out fast enough. And I think in one point he was talking about if you would use the word "off" versus "an." Oh, and I know. Sometimes people would think that the the next word would start with "n," and then you'd have to start
1: all over again. Oh, yeah. Or it's it's like I would say it is, and he would say no because it was "it's," and I'm like it's the same thing, John. <laughs> or you know, uh, anyway. I get it. I get it. Little things like that. That I'm sure he just you know it when you have. All control of your life taken away. If that's the one thing you want to try and control, so be it. Right? I mean, let him have it. It just. Yes. I can't imagine.
0: Yes, and as much patience as it required from him, it also required patience from you and from everyone else. Yes,
1: I remember night putting. I have a younger son, Ben, who well, he just turned fifteen yesterday, but he was ten at the time that this happened, and. Uh, I remember putting to bed one night, and you know, we always said our prayers. And i started spelling, you know, <laughs> like dude looked at me like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I've lost my mind, Ben. I don't know."
0: <laughs> I can completely understand that that happens to me, even if I'm doing like a voice text right. versus a uh, leaving a message, you know. And I'll be adding commas and periods into my voice right. message. <laughs> like, yeah. Why am I doing that? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I I get it. Yeah. So he obviously life changed. He went mm-hmm. through this experience. He he was really literally locked in. Um but slowly over time has been has been finding his way back. Kind of talk a little bit about that journey back and some of the experiences
1: that you have all ex- gone through as he's been working his way back. Yeah, um, I think his first priority has always been speaking, to speak more than move or walk or any of that. Just again, to have his voice heard. Um, But you know, it was the little things, just the facial expression, getting back, because the left side of the face was weaker than the right. So his smile was a little off at first. So, you know, once his smile kind of got back to normal, and then the eating, getting off the feeding tube, that was huge, 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 huge. Um, And, you know, just the small movements and you know, getting reconnected to his phone after, you know, I guess over a year, not having um, any access to the outside world, really, um, which probably was a blessing in disguise, because when we all think about, you know, going through our social media and everybody has their life looking so perfect and, you know, his is anything but perfect, um, that has to be challenging for him. So I'm glad he did it in that first year, have to sit and watch everything from his senior year that he was missing. I mean, his friends would share with him and Things like that, but um, it's not the same. So, yeah, and for our family, I think it's been, um, you know, challenging. We've all tried um, to keep things as normal as possible. Um, You know, I think probably the hardest has been for his little brother, because I think, you know, he kind of almost stepped into the role of big brother, helping care for his brother and do things for his brother Mm -hmm. all the time. So, I think for him, his life, other than mine and Joe Michaels, changed the most. You know, he doesn't always get to do the things that we should be doing because we can't. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been probably hardest on him. My daughter's older. She uh, was a senior in college when this happened. Mm -hmm. She really was going to graduate with the idea that she was going to go off to the big city, do her thing. Um, But when this happened, she came home for a year and worked because she wanted to be here to be helpful and be around for her brother and be a support system. But after a year, I said, you need to go. I said, it's time you need to move on. So she did, she went to DC and did that for um, about a year and a half. And now she's moved back South cause we are <laughs> other people she's in Atlanta and she can get home a lot quicker and we get to see her more often. So, you know, we've, we've all moved on, but still, you know, not like we probably would have yeah it's and and it's so interesting i often
0: think that one of the hardest things in life is letting go Mm
1: -hmm.
0: being able to let go of anything whatever that might be but in this case the the expectations and the dreams and the you know what was going to be you know and and letting go of that how do you think you did that how do you do that how would you share doing that with somebody who's struggling
1: it's not easy i've i've been in denial for um probably I was in denial for a very long time about it, just going through the motions, waiting in anticipation for this to be over, you know, because I would even use those words. But when this is all over, you know, kind of taking it as, you know what, he's broken his leg, he's in this chair, and as soon as it's healed, he's going to be out and everything's going to go back to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for a long time when Ben probably the next year, this happened in January, December, so that fall, Ben, then graduated and went on to the high school where Joe Michael was going to, so it was very hard for me at first going back to the school, because I felt like I just didn't get to finish, Mm -hmm. and he didn't get to finish, and even as a mom, I didn't get to do all those fun senior things that the parents get to do, you know, walk your son out on the field, you go to the little tears and cheers, you know, watch the video, and Mm -hmm. um, I just felt like I was plucked out of a life, and I didn't, you know, when, when when your kid's sick and you miss a few things, you, you go back in and you pick back up, but I didn't get to pick back up. Um and that was hard for me for a long time. But I think just time heals in that sense that you kind of get over it and realize, you know what, it's it's done, it's over, and now we gotta move on. This is our new and we have other goals and um dreams now and just move towards them.
0: Mm-hmm. And your faith, I think um, you've talked about quite a bit and and it runs through the book as well, obviously, right from the title. Um, How how has your faith grown or changed or, you know, what has happened with with the with your
1: sense of faith and your foundation? I've always had a pretty strong faith. Um, You know, I've always had done Bible studies, did my quiet time, served in my church, you know, tried to lead, you know, a good life. but this for a long time i couldn't i couldn't open my bible i couldn't open a devotional i couldn't i couldn't quiet myself long enough to sit um, so i was very glad when i got back to a place where i could but it it was always there and we always you know uh, absolutely prayed about it every day and i kind of just have gotten to the point i mean i scour the scriptures every day for a promise from him that you know says i will do this it is coming it you know and and, and i hang on to those words I I think I view God differently now than I did before. I think before, um, you know, I would go to him and lay my request as some genie or something, you know. Mm -hmm. But now the struggle has been, you know, I've seen a lot of answered prayer, but I just keep saying, why won't you answer this one? Why? I That, you know, is sometimes hard to wrap my brain about why give someone such hopes and goals and dreams and then take it away right after he got it. You know, it just seems so cruel. Um, but I think Jim Michael put it very well in the book when he said, you know, God didn't do this to me. He did this for me. And I think that's so humbling and so true because we've seen so much good come out of all of this. Um, we've seen, you know, for example, his senior class was a very divisive class, very eclectic group of, of 100, you know, 20 kids. They didn't they weren't cohesive. Actually, they had a little bit of a falling out over a class t-shirt that fall. I mean, it was just kind of strange. But when this happened, they all grew so close and probably graduated as one of the closest senior classes Trinity's probably ever had. You know, so right there, there you go. I mean, people put their differences aside and came together. Mm-hmm. And you know we've seen i could I get messages. Uh, you know, you used to get a daily, weekly, you know, now maybe monthly from someone I don't even know. And a lot of times from someone young, you know, saying how much Joe Michael's story and our story and how we, you know, have handled it has just inspired them and, and gotten them through this or helping them through that. It just, so that's what gets, that's how I do it. And that's what keeps me strong in my faith because I see God working.
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, and I think I like how um, honest and open you are about that because I think that crisis of faith would be so normal. You know, we, we have that anytime that things go wrong, but when something goes so drastically the other direction, uh, it does bring you to your knees in so many ways. Yes, absolutely. Um, And how do you get back up and how do you keep going on? And, Mm. and I guess the God work is that he's showing it to you in the gifts of so many other things that happened as a result exactly and in the book you you share both of you share a, a lot about those surprises we talked a little bit about the coach from Mercer but there were so many other um, people that came into your life that have come into your life through the past five years
1: yes um, and even just other people going through tragedies. The, the the friendships we've made with the other patients and caretaker, you know, family members at Shepherd and at Core now, where he does his therapy. Um, they are, and he's therapist. I mean, they're our best friends. I mean, they're a family. We, and again, I've I've seen through Shepherd and at, at Core, as tragic as our case is, somebody always always has it worse. And, you know, sometimes people look at me like, how could you even say that? (laughs) I'm like, just go hang out at a facility like that and you'll see it. It's just, and, you know, I see the other moms doing it. I see the other wives doing, I see the other, you know, it's just, it's, it's daunting, but we do it. We all get up every day and, and go forward. And, you know, we've had celebrities reach out and send messages to John Michael. We've had all kinds of athletes come meet John Michael, especially at shepherd. Um, and that just is really so powerful. I don't think people in high positions know how powerful that is when you take the time to to leave that message or to come visit and say, "Hey, keep keep going. You know, you got this." It's it's very encouraging.
0: And I think the other piece of it is, you know, we never know the impact that we have because you'll never know how many people you touch. You know, yeah, the right? Is is infinite, really? Um, but it also goes back to the book and and why you two chose to write it, um, because what is it that you most want to get from the book or give from the book?
1: Certainly hope and just showing what faith can do, you know, what it can get you through. And I don't know how people without faith get through things because I could never have gotten through it without my faith, um. And the importance of community and being there for people. Uh, my community was amazing and still is actually. I mean, the things that get done for us and have been done for us, I, I can't. And a lot of things I don't even know that were done for us. So that's so important. And awareness. I want to know people to know that children do stroke. It does happen, and it should be on the list. Kids don't typically have heart attacks, but they'll run an EKG on him, So why are we not doing an MRI if he's dizzy and has vertigo? That's not normal either. So let's, let's get it on the list.
0: And to be able to continue to spread that message and to raise awareness, uh, what are some of the things that you're looking to do going forward?
1: Well, fortunately, I mean, just putting it out there that the book is, is coming out, I've been invited to a few speaking engagements. So hopefully through doing the speaking engagements, book signings, um, you know, maybe even through, you know, now I think we might even get more followers on Joe Michael's page. Um, just putting it out there on his updates and posts that, you know, Hey, let's, let's get this out there that, you know, it happens. And you actually created a foundation in his name as well. Yes, we have the, um, John Michael Strong Foundation and we're hoping to help other people in similar situations as well. Uh, we've been, up to this point, we've been helping out the core foundation. Uh, they had their own foundation, and we've um, been giving back to them because we feel so much has been done for us. We, we certainly would love to be able to help somebody else.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I was touched by so many of the therapists that wrote in the book, you know, sent their letters, and I read every single one, and the message through all of them was uh, how impressed they were with with john michael obviously but all of you and just um being able to see in him this light and this kind of this beacon of hope and resilience determination you know all all of those qualities
1: that he has they all speak to it in some way absolutely and i think you can you can gather that through what he wrote but that's why i thought it was uh special to put those in there because i wanted people to hear the people who work with him daily to see what he does every day and how hard he works and his attitude and his humor. I mean, he's, you know, it's half the time I hear them cracking up. I'm like, what are y'all doing? Are you working? Or are you <laughs> playing oh, he in there? clearly has a sense of humor.
0: There are several that. funny moments in here, you know, um, one comes to mind where he was talking about all his good looking brunette girlfriend. Oh yes, Yes.
1: Yes, <laughs> yes. I know. He's uh he's quite the ladies man and still continues to be. Um, well, no yeah. doubt. He's a great looking kid. Uh, yeah.
0: But he, he also talked a little bit about the tattoo that he, Oh loves.
1: yes. Yeah. Well I was, I would have never, <laughs> I would have never approved of it. I mean, of course he's 21. He could have done it himself anyway, but um, because it was a scripture verse and it meant so much, of course I was, on board for it. But yes, that was kind of special that he and his, um, I guess, God brother um, did that together. That was really special.
0: And I'm going to read just a little bit of that because I think that speaks very much to the essence of him and, and where he is in his life right now. And the verse is actually second Timothy chapter four, verse seven, which says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And John Michael writes, it's not about me, it never was. I don't have to fight this battle, not on my own. That said, although the race will never truly be finished, even if I get up and walk tomorrow, it still serves as a constant reminder to trust him and never give up. Lastly, the numbers in the Bible verse are 2, 4, and 7. So I like to think 24-7. This is a constant state of mind. It never stops, and neither will
1: I. Yeah, that makes me almost want to cry when you really, like, I've read that a million times, but to hear you read it, just wow. Yeah, Yeah, me too. Too
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah. even my other children will say, I mean, because, you know, I'm like, I would be doing the same thing for you. This is not a favoritism that I think he's just, I think you're just as special as he is, but they'll even say, I would never, you know, I can't imagine handling it the way he's handled it. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, and again, until you're put in the position, you'll never know how you would yeah, handle something yeah. like this. But certainly, no
1: one ever does have to handle
0: it. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but you do speak, um, as you just were talking about the other people that you're meeting um, at CORE and some of the places you've been at Shepherd, you have met so many other people in, in situations equally difficult or more difficult. Um, and, and some of the parents, and, and you actually talk in the book about. One of the parents of somebody that was down the hall, I think from John Michael, maybe at Shepherd, had given you a bracelet. Do you remember
1: that? Yeah, piece? that was actually in the ICU and it was the little girl, Sophie. She's, well, goodness, probably seven now. She was three at the time. Um, and she, um, I think she had had a brain as aneurysm or so. I, I really, it's terrible that I don't remember, but she had ended up stroking. Um, and she was, she, they'd been there since October when we got there in December and we left before they did. And they ended up coming up to Atlanta, but she was too young for Shepard. So she was at a hospital down the road and we kept trying to m- meet up for coffee. But um, but no, I remember she, one day, she just stopped by Joe Michael's room and she had bought this little, it was kind of like one of those little rope bracelets and it had a little charm on it and it's believe and it talked about belief on the back. And um, I was just so humbled at the time because at, at that point in time, I hadn't noticed one other person on the floor you know, to me, I was just, it was in me and this is, I, I can't think or focus on anybody else. Um, so I just was like, wow, you know, she is going through her own hell with this sweet little three year old. And here I am not even noticing anybody, but myself. And it just opened my eyes to the realization that, you know, I, you are not the only one. And that, that bracelet just meant so much for that. And just to remember to stay strong in my faith and that God's got this, like John Michael said, it's He's got this.
0: I'm going to read the last paragraph, which is about the bracelet, um, which is what you wrote. And you said, every once in a while, I come across the bracelet I was given that says believe. I probably wore it for a year without taking it off, but it is white and over time it became dirty. So now it lives in my drawer. It still makes me pause when I see it, though. I wonder if that mother knew how important that word would become to me. How often I would look down on my wrist and be consoled by it. We have come so far since the day I was given that sweet gift, but our story is not over yet. Although I have no clue how or when this story will end, that bracelet reminds me that I am not alone. I do believe. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And what do you believe now? What do you hope for? What do you reach for what does john michael reach for at this point
1: i think we still reach for that ultimate goal that he will get out of that chair and walk again and we just don't know when it's just a matter of time um and it's god's timing not ours you know because we know in our hearts that he could have done this four years ago he could have gotten you know he could have walked out of the icu and surprised everybody and been the walking miracle but then how many people would have really been touched or would have believed. Um, So I think it's just, you know, it's not the right time yet. But it's coming. I I
0: wholeheartedly believe that as well. I I do think things happen for us, not to us. And his story is not written yet, even though he's written... To date, <laughs> it is not cool. over.
1: Sure, yes,
0: <laughs> um, and and yours as well. I I think this even just getting the book out into the world will open more doors and more more opportunities for you, all of you as Absolutely. well. Yes. Uh, and I look forward to following your story and seeing where it leads. I could go on and on and on. Um, I want to just give a couple of uh, additional things for re- for listeners that are listening in uh, many of our listeners are people who have always wanted to write a book maybe they have a story that is just needing to be shared maybe they have people in their life saying to them you should write a book you should write a book what's your message to them if they're in that spot where they are listening and thinking oh I don't know if I could do it
1: I say, do it, go for it. I mean, you have nothing to lose. Worst thing that's gonna happen is it's very therapeutic and you're gonna get healing from it, from your story, or you're just gonna feel good about it. And you know, what's meant to be will be. And I think if if you need to write it, if you feel compelled, you should do it. Absolutely, wholeheartedly. I agree. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stories need to be shared and, and, and um, That's why we have them yes it makes a difference it really makes a difference it touches people in a different way when when you get a chance to pick up a book and read it yeah um, so I always end my podcast with the question um, that I think is just different for every person I think it's a unique uh, question because it, it does make it have a different response from everybody uh, but the, based on where you are and what you've experienced and what your life is and 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 where you are, what does It Just Takes One mean to you?
1: I think when I really sit and ponder that question, it's never take anything for granted, even breathing, because John Michael was very blessed that he was able to breathe on his own. And just to watch him take those first few breaths when they removed that breathing tube, just... It just takes one, you know, it just took that one thing to give us hope that there's hope he was able to breathe on his own. That one thing gave us such great hope um, that better was to come and has come.
0: Yeah, that's so powerful. You know, we often say we, we take, you know, tens of thousands of breaths a day, but how many do you ever pay attention to? Yeah,
1: so it's true. Mm-hmm.
0: A good reminder that it's not to be taken for granted.
1: Yeah. Appreciate. Yes. Everything. Yes. Because it could be taken from you in a second. Yeah.
0: Vicki, if people are looking to connect with you and follow you, where
1: can they find you? So Jamichael has a website. It's jmstrong24.com. And that's where we post all the updates. There's pictures, videos of his therapy. Uh, You can buy the book on there. You can email me with questions or whatever. So absolutely, that's where they should go.
0: Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And it is a bestseller. So I'm happy to say congratulations to you on that. So exciting. An Amazon bestseller. So that's just a, a great hats off to both of you for putting the effort and the time in and getting an amazing story onto the page so that people can experience it and maybe remember their faith. Remember to believe, remember to take a moment to appreciate what you have mm-hmm. and have hope. Yes, absolutely. Wonderful. Vicki, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and working
1: with you through the whole process. Thank you. Well, I can't thank you enough, Kelly, for everything. Truly. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Wow. Such an incredible story, right? It is virtually impossible not to be moved by the experience that Vicki and John Michael and their family have had. And I think it's very normal to try and put ourselves into their shoes to try and imagine What would we do? What would it be like if everything we thought our life was going to be changes so drastically and so unexpectedly? How do you overcome that? How do you get through that? I was recently telling someone I know about this story and about the book coming out, and she said, I don't know if I want to buy the book. It just sounds so sad. And I hope, although I understand that, I do hope that what you get after listening to this interview is not sadness. As hard as it is to imagine the story, and as much as you feel for and with Vicky and John Michael, the thing that I get after the time working with them is not sadness. Rather, I feel faith, belief, and hope ultimately hope which is the greatest gift of all. I hope that is what you take away from this time in this interview today and I appreciate you making the time to listen. If you're interested in the book you can find it on Amazon and also I do encourage you to follow John Michael on his website see what's going on there and on all social media platforms as well. His progress continues and I truly believe that whatever it is he wants to achieve, his faith, his determination, and his resilience, as well as his family, are what are going to get him there. Thanks for tuning into It Just Takes One today. And now it's time for you to go out and be the one.